Well, good morning, everybody. This is the uh, last sermon of a 13-part uh, series of sermons on doctrines of applied redemption. In this series of sermons, we've looked at how God saves people. We haven't so much looked at the salvation events themselves, in particular the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, but rather we've been looking at how God applies what happened then and there to each of us here and now, and in the future too. So then, as you may well remember, we've looked at such things as election, calling, regeneration, conversion, justification, adoption, sanctification, baptism in the Holy Spirit, the perseverance of the saints, death, and glorification. And today, we're looking at something that brings all of these ideas together. Union with Christ. Being in Christ. Union in Christ is the idea that every single aspect of our relationship to God and God's relationship with us is in or through or with Christ. And this is an idea worth understanding because it is the unifying thought through all of the different doctrines that we've considered over the last 12 weeks. But in order to understand its full significance, we need to start at the beginning. In the beginning, God created humankind in his image and likeness. This is a representational image, not a facsimile image. In other words, each and every human being was and is created not so much to be a physical picture of God, not so much so that we can determine what color of hair or eyes he has, but rather each and every one of us was created in order to represent him, to represent his character, his nature, his purposes, his interests. And uh, that is a wonderful and extraordinary truth. It means that every single human being has, by way of their birthright, um, the, the, the privilege of being able to walk up to any other human being, or indeed any cat or dog or any creature under heaven and earth, and say, good morning, my name's Stephen, I represent God. Oh, and so do you. Isn't that great? This wonderful and glorious truth also means, of course, that if we were to ever meet a perfect human being, someone who showed us exactly what it means to be human, that person, whether boy or girl, man or woman, that person would, by definition, be also showing us exactly what it means to be God, to be divine. That person, in showing us perfectly what it means to be human, would be showing us God, who he is. So in the beginning, we were created to work with God and for God, being just like God, exercising servant-hearted dominion over the creation to serve it and preserve it. Now, of all of the different creatures that God had created in his creation, spiritual and physical, angelic and material, the human beings, that's us, we were created as the crossover species, the one that would operate in both spiritual 
and physical realms. But sin put all of that into jeopardy. Genesis chapter 3, the fall. Sinful humanity imaged Satan, not the father. Lying, scheming, manipulative, defensive and accusatory, selfish and self-centered in our desire to grasp the blessing that belongs to others or indeed to the future, we became murderous, God-hating and God-rejecting rebels. Although humanity, both corporately and individually, although we continued to have and exercise the authorities given to us at creation, From that time, we have all been basically evil. The irony of this is that by the wonderful and ironic judgment of God, although we are evil, we hate evil. That's that's the glorious judgment of God. And therefore, we are massively in denial about being evil and do everything in our powers usually to protect ourselves from this simple truth. For example, it is only a really sinful society, it's only really an evil bunch of people who would ever propagate something so profoundly deluded as the statement that people are basically good. When we say such things, we contradict God. Well, other judgments came in consequence to the fall, consequence of the fall, a death, for example, from dust and ashes we were created, to dust and ashes we would return. But there were promises as well, weren't there? There were promises. The the sinfulness of humanity put the plan of God for us and his creation in jeopardy, but we would also find that nothing we can do can defeat God in his purposes. God promised Eve that from her would come one who would crush Satan's head. God promised Noah that never again would he destroy the earth by way of a flood. And the sign of the covenant was a rainbow, a multicolored archer's bow pointing up. God promised Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. God promised David that one of his own sons would sit upon his throne forever and that he would rule over all of the nations of the earth. And through all of this, God also patiently taught his people that he himself would save, that he himself would be their deliverer, that he himself would reign, that he himself would sit on the throne, that he himself would judge in righteousness and truth, and that only he himself could reveal himself, show us, what he is truly like. Well, Jesus of Nazareth came in fulfillment of these promises and in fulfillment of too many promises and prophecies to to, to name and remember here and now. So Jesus of Nazareth was and is the crossover man, the first and last, fully a human being, He descended from David. He is the Messiah King, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam, the seed of Eve that was promised and spoken of again and again by the prophets. 
as a sinless man filled with the Holy Spirit, he showed us exactly who God is and what it means to be human simultaneously, all of the time, with every breath. As a sinless man, a lamb without defect, he died for the sins of the world, taking upon himself the punishment that we deserved. Fully God, born of the Virgin Mary, filled with the Spirit, he was God with us, taking our sin upon himself. The Holy Trinity, dealing with the matter of the wrath of God internally, as an internal matter, so to speak. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. All all of the Father's desires for his creation and for us are fulfilled in Christ meaning in and for and through Jesus. Does God reign? Yes, in Christ. Does David's son reign? Yes, in Christ. Is the world saved? Yes, in Christ. Are sins forgiven? Yes, in Christ. Is Satan crushed? Yes, in Christ. God showing us God? Yes, that's Christ. Humanity in perfection, yes, that's Christ. Humanity representing divinity perfectly, yes, that's Christ. Jesus of Nazareth was and is the crossover man, fully God and fully man. So then, speaking doctrinally, God's redemption of the world was accomplished in and with and through Christ. God applies the the benefits of that redemptive work done the first Easter. He applies the benefits of that to us, each and individually, in and with and through Christ, and only in that way. Therefore, election, uh, election is election in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Election is election in Christ. Calling is calling in Christ. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. Regeneration is regeneration in Christ. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, God gave, the right, God gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, husband's will but born of God. Conversion is conversion in Christ. Conversion doesn't mean changing your mind about whether God exists or not. No. Conversion is conversion in Christ. Repenting of not trusting Jesus to trusting Jesus. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God 
in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Justification. We have the righteousness of Christ when we put our faith in Jesus. Adoption. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Sanctification. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The perseverance of the saints. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Death. Paul writes to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will remain with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Glorification. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. From from first to last, it's all about Jesus. So then, union with Christ, that's what we're thinking about today, union with Christ essentially is about at least four different things. Four different ways of seeing this. Jesus is within us. We are within Jesus. When God looks at us, He sees Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we see God. Jesus is the crossover person, the one mediator between God and humanity. We are in Christ. We're within, we're inside Jesus. As far as God is concerned, we are inside him because we are inside Jesus. But we must also understand that Jesus is likewise inside of us. This is perhaps easier to understand, having received the gift of the Holy Spirit at regeneration. The the, the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Christ is within us. We have the mind of Christ. We are inside of Jesus. Jesus is inside of us. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Christ is inside us. This is our hope of glory. And we mature as we remain inside Jesus. Jesus is the crossover man, the one mediator between God and humanity. When God looks at us, his children in Christ, he sees Jesus, his son. And when we look at Jesus, we see God. We cannot know God except through Jesus Christ, his son. We can know that he exists, that he is immortal, and that he is powerful, but we cannot know him personally except through Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus. We are justified with the righteousness of Christ. Uh, many years ago, I attended a um, scripture union camp in High Wycombe at the Seventh-day Adventist campsite in High Wycombe, a place many of you will be depressingly familiar with. Philip Yancey was one of the two guest speakers. I'm not sure what year that was in, but I think it may have been around the year 1998. It was a large conference. Perhaps there are others here today who were also at that camp. On day one, in small groups, we were asked to share what we thought God was doing in our lives at that time. And I shared that I thought uh, that God was perhaps prompting me to, to repent of uh, cowardice um, as a character flaw. Um, whether I am a coward or not, it's not my place to judge. I don't know. I'm not my own judge. I have a judge in Christ. But I guess at that time, I, I was aware that, uh, that my natural cautiousness sometimes hid a sinful propensity to cowardice, and that sometimes my cowardice uh, hurt others, others whom I cared for. Um, anyway, on the last day of that camp, an elderly Aboriginal woman, not someone I'd met or talked to, not someone who was in my small group, um, she said something to me. She said it in passing. She barely even slowed down as she said it. As she just walked past, she just said to me, God told me to tell you you're a man of valor. And she kept going. That's all she said. I didn't have, even have time to thank her or engage her in conversation. My response to those words was, you know, internally, I thought, oh, that's nice. But then I thought to myself, well, actually, uh, actually, if that's prophecy... Um, I should go and pray about it and ask God myself um, if that's from him. And so going to my cabin, I closed the door and got down on my knees and, uh, and I prayed. And almost as soon, the moment I'd done that, the, 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 the revelation uh, hit me like a freight train. Um, I, I just, I suddenly understood with enormous clarity. It just absolutely blew me away. I, I saw myself as a coward 
But God, my father, was telling me that, that that's not how he sees me. He sees me as a man of valor. And of course he does. Jesus is not a coward. Jesus is a courageous man. Jesus is a man of valor. When my father looks at me, he sees his son, Jesus. He can do no otherwise. I'm inside of Christ. I'm righteous, justified, righteous, with all those righteous good works that Jesus did on my behalf. Why am I righteous? Because I'm inside Jesus, in Christ, union with Christ. That's not to suggest that I never do anything wrong or cowardly, uh, but when I sin, my Father deals with me lovingly, disciples me with approval, attention, and acceptance in order to cure me of something that is an aberration, an un-Jesus-like bit that needs to be knocked off. That's all. But God, my Father, sees Jesus when he looks at me, and his word over me in Christ is, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And that's your Father's word over you, too, in Christ. Union with Christ. We are in Christ within Jesus. Jesus is within us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus, his son. When we look at Jesus, we see God, the Father. It is in Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, that God achieves perfectly all of his purposes for humanity. That is why Peter and Paul and all of the apostles proclaim to both Jew and Gentile, there is no other name by which we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven given to humankind which allows people to be saved. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. When we say this as Christians, of course we we. We might look as though we're being intolerant of other faiths or exclusivist or that this is simply some kind of age-old power play, another version of, unless you're one of us, you're unrighteous. But all such analyses miss the point. God has given us the proof of all of these claims in and through the power ministry of Jesus, in and through the power ministry of the apostles, in and through the power ministry of the church, but most critically and centrally of all, God has given us the proof of these claims in and through the power resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth on the third day. In Jesus of Nazareth, and in Jesus of Nazareth only, exclusively and uniquely are God's well-publicized plans for humanity and for our role in creation fulfilled perfectly. We either accept this or reject it. Union with Christ is what it's all about. To the glory of God our Father and the coming kingdom, amen.